Namaste. There are two kinds of conquests that human beings can make. It's a privilege of everybody. So one is the conquest outside of the outer world, which we all know, and expanding oneself more and more, uh, starting from the little house, going further into the city, a nation, world conquest. And if you go into Indian thought, even the three worlds, see Ravana <laughs> expanded his arena of conquest beyond this world, into the three lower worlds. So up till then, man can conquer. There is a capacity in man to even reach up to that point where he can conquer the mental world and its powers, the vital world and its powers, and thereby enrich his life. This is given to man. It's not something not part of his. But, well, the problem is that if you want to go beyond, then it cannot be done by your own effort. It's only through grace and surrender to the grace. Because that is the point where human effort ceases, limits of human effort. Up till then, by tapasya, by various means, you can conquer. So, uh, both these ideals have been there in human life. As I was saying, sharing the story of Diogenes, three short stories we can take. So, in the story of Diogenes, Diogenes was a Greek mystic who lived in a little, uh, you know, pen or a tub meant for a dog. So, Alexander is uh, very much uh, mystified, like who is he? He is very much curious. He has heard about him. So, he lives with bare minimum. He is a person who has renounced the world outwardly. So, Alexander goes and stands in front of him and says, I am Alexander the Great. Because Diogenes doesn't bat an eyelid. So he wants to, maybe he doesn't know who I am. So he says, I am Alexander the Great. And Diogenes replies, I am Diogenes the dog. <laughs> so Alexander says that, uh, what can I do for you? Meaning thereby I am the emperor. Ask me anything I can give you. Diogenes says, just move out of my way because you are coming between me and the sun. So Alexander is reported to have said, I, if I would not be Alexander, then I would be Diogenes. There is another story, lot of stories like that. One was Sheikh Sadi where, uh, you know, the court philosophers. Court philosophers have to please the king. They have to always, you know, write things um, which will make the king feel very great and proud. So there is this court philosopher who has, uh, basically these are people who have sold their intellectual capacity for tinsels, basically. Because he wants a comfortable life, he wants money. So they have sold their capacity to think, intelligence, at the mercy of, in flattering people. So all these emperors used to have such people who would be around them to flatter them. So there is this Sheikh Sadi who is going with his caravan in the Arabian desert, who is, um, he sees a man sitting below a tree, uh, not tree, uh, a palm tree. And he is eating something. So he is very curious in this summer desert heat. Why is he sitting there? And the court philosopher tells the sheikh, uh, he is a man of no consequence, but he is curious. So he goes there and asks him, who are you? Same question. He says, don't you see? What are you doing? I am eating gruel. So court philosopher, you know, by, by this time he, has, he is a bit impatient. See, human beings have a tendency to justify their way of life, innate, and any kind of justification we may bring. So here the story is of two different kinds of justification. So the court philosopher tells the sheikh, tells this man, who, Fakir, who is sitting below the 
palm tree if only you knew how to please the king you would not have to eat gruel for the rest of your life and the fakir replies if only you knew how to eat gruel you wouldn't have to flatter the king for the rest of your life see now again inner conquest outer conquest then there is the famous story of king ashoka so as the story goes it was not like he saw the bloodshed and suddenly you know he felt a deep pain whatever may have happened incidentally ashoka was already very few people are aware ashoka was already turned a buddhist when he went into the carnage so this story that he became a buddhist after that's not true uh, that was a time when buddhism was spreading very far. even dhananand the most uh, despicable <laughs> ruler <laughs> the last uh, uh, destroyer of the you know nand family uh, he was uh, a buddhist <laughs> so so this subscribing to a religion or a way of life formally is very different from actually living it so ashoka when he met buddha it seems he asked buddha whether this encounter took before or after is a different story so he asked the buddha uh, who are you so he says uh, i am buddha or siddhartha so ashoka says i am ashoka and uh, i am an emperor and a conqueror so buddha says yes i am also a conqueror and i am an emperor so he says what is your empire and you don't seem where is your army and everything so buddha gave an answer he says i am the conqueror of my own nature and all the energies of my nature are at my command and control so i extend this empire and therefore i am a conqueror i have conquered something which is far more difficult than this conquest so in ancient indian ideal aryan ideal shubhendra speaks about it very beautifully there were these two ideals of swarat and samrat swaraj and samraj so swaraj was self conquest and somebody who had not conquered himself was really not regarded as fit for extending this empire so there is an empire of the soul that's how you will see that yogis how do they extend their empire how did buddha extend his empire it was the empire of the soul and that's was regarded always as a greater conquest it is not that this ideal was in contravention to outer conquest by all means but if you have conquered within even as an emperor you would be somebody who will be compassionate will be wide who will help the subjects to grow that's why the ashamedya again rajasuya again all these schemes so basically there are two kinds of conquest and finally a little story about these two kinds of conquest um there was a you know master archer living in a this is a zen story who was living in a small little place but he was regarded as one of the best archers in the that whatever domain we can't use the word world though everybody would use the word world so an archer was very well known let's say an olympic gold medal winner and he comes to and and challenges him says i have heard people tell you but have you ever proven your skills he says i don't need to prove anything to anyone so he says no no i am the better archer he says fine i have no issue if you are the better archer i have no issues about it he says no 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 but you have to it's not enough that uh, you are accepting that i am the best archer but you have to tell it in front of everyone he says i can tell it he says but they won't agree so you have to meet me in a challenge so he says okay so there they start both of them the the whole audience is there i mean the crowd is there who will watch and both are able to equally shoot the arrow on target constantly 
So he says, see, at least I am your equal. Now how do we decide who is greater? So this uh, wise archer says, well, that's a very simple way. Come, we'll go a little further. So what is a little further? There is a little bridge over a chasm and this bridge is very shaky. He says, now stand on it and shoot. Now, what happens there? There you have to overcome your fear. You may fall, you may die. And sure enough, he is not able to do that. Whereas uh, uh, this famous wise archer is able to do it because he had conquered himself within. So this was the way the ancient civilizations developed and not just haphazardly expanding our ambition and amassing things when, whereas inwardly we are impoverished. So these are the two ideals. They supplement each other. In India, it is very beautifully reflected in the story of Shiva and Krishna, the two gods. They represent two extremes. Have you noticed Shiva is the renunciate of renunciate, the tapasvi of tapasvi. But he is a family man. He has children. And one of the best servings you can ever imagine is served in Kailash. Now look at Krishna's life outwardly. He is extremely engrossed with the world. If you look at him outwardly. But Krishna is completely in a state of not just thit pragya, but even beyond that. So these two ideals were not opposing each other. This is the modern mind which has created. Renounce and enjoy. Unless you renounce the ego, you cannot have delight. Unless you renounce the lower self, you cannot have the greater self. This greater self does not annul the lower self. It uses it as an instrument, purifies it, refines it. So first self-conquest and then world-conquest.